Welcome to Running Deep, a podcast that exists to encourage women to be deeply rooted in the Word of God through every season of life. All right, ladies, well, welcome back to Running Deep. Sarah and I always talk about how to start these off in a fun and different way, but one day we'll just decide we're not creative enough to start it off fun and different, so we're just kicking it off. <laughs> that was our intro. So <laughs> today we are having a fun conversation that might be one of many um, talking about the topic of marriage, and that is a broad topic, obviously. But one of the things we love to do in this podcast is pull aside women in our church um, that are just godly women that we want to hear more about their life and aspects of their life. And so today we have Christina Hannon um, joining us. She's part-time on our staff team and just an awesome godly woman in our church. And um, yeah, I just want to pick her brain on some of her experience and things she's learned when it comes to marriage. Thanks for having me today. I'm so excited to be with you ladies and talk a little bit about marriage. My name is Christina, like you said. I am married to Adam Hannon. We moved down here to Iowa about three and a half years ago for my husband's job. He works at Life 101.9. So if you listen to Kim and Adam in the morning, you know my husband, Adam. And maybe you've heard some of these stories or a little bit about our family. But we have four kids now and live in Evansdale, but we attend here at Candeo and um, lead a co-lead a connection group with Tim and Caitlin Turnus. And I love working here at Candeo um, on the community minister team with Jordan Prohoda and Matt Hofert and Sarah Herring. It's just a great staff to be a part of. It's so encouraging. And I'm excited to be with you and talk about marriage today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are so excited to talk about this topic and um, just really hear from Christina and her point of view on things that she's learned in marriage and um, just excited to hear from her wisdom. So um, what gets you excited about talking about marriage, Christina? Yeah, I think it's because this is what God has called me to in this season of my life. So I remember being in college and being at the place where I was asking the really big questions, like, what is God's will for my life? And it felt like there should be some like massive grand assignment, you mm-hmm. know, like this aha moment. And really, somebody just gave me this great advice that I should look at what God is already doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where is he already working in my life? And those are probably the things that he's called me to because he's planted me in a specific place. He's mm-hmm. gifted me with certain talents. And those things are already working. He's already moving there. Mm-hmm. So get on board with where he's already at. Mm-hmm. And so if God has called me to marriage, then I know that that's his work for me right now and and the place that he has for me. So I want to pursue it and and do it well and with full obedience. Mm. I love that, that it's, yeah, instead of trying to figure out what does God want for me or what are all these hidden things, it's looking at what's right in front of you. And for you right now, that looks like serving and loving well in your marriage. And yeah, I I love that. Like what Mm -hmm. has God put before me right now? Yeah, so this idea of sharing 
three pieces of advice for marriage, or we just called them three things, came from um, our gospel-centered marriage class that we just finished up not too long ago here at Candeo. Uh, we had different couples teach each week, and um, the first week, uh, Jake and I taught, and I just thought it would be fun to share it didn't have to relate to the topic that we're teaching on, just three things that we have learned in our marriage that we would want to share with mm. either the engaged couples or the married couples. And it was really fun for Jake and I to come up with our three things um, because we each did it individually. So it was really six things from the couple, but just to even hear Jake's perspective on like, oh yeah, that is something that has been really influential in our marriage. So from that, uh, Adam and Christina taught a couple weeks after Jake and I, and um, just I got to hear their three things and really appreciated the wisdom and the insight from what they shared and thought, every woman at Candeo needs to hear these things. Mm -hmm. So this is just a fun way to just get this conversation rolling and um, hear from Christina and the wisdom that she um, has. So we're just going to go through these three things and um, let her speak into those things. But how long have you guys been married before you share? We have been married for 16 years. Okay, so you've got 16 years of experience to speak from. 16 years of experience, yes. <laughs> yeah. Does that yeah. feel like a long time or quick? You know, honestly, it does feel like a long time, but mm. in, not in a bad way, yeah. and I think in, in a rich way. You've um, lived a lot of life together. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's a gift, and it's mm -hmm. good, and, and we know each other more fully. And one thing I, I learned from the class we did, the Marriage 101, Gospel-Centered Marriage class mm -hmm. in the Timothy Keller book, there was a quote about, my wife has been married to five different mm. men and all of them have been me. Mm. Adam and I have changed so much mm -hmm. in the 16 years that we've been married, but we've been so just blessed by God in that we've changed in the same direction. Yes. So we've been kind of on the same trajectory mm -hmm. of seeking after the Lord and, and his will for our lives. And that's led us to change in the same sort of ways or follow the same path. Mm. Yeah. So let's get into it. What's the first first thing? Okay. So my first thing would be to embrace the quirk. Now, this is something that I found actually really attractive and admirable in my husband at mm -hmm. first was just his fun-loving, just wild spirit. So I remember going on walks, and it would never just be a nice, quiet stroll. He was always, you know, running and jumping over something, and it was just, <laughs> you know, something sort of macho and and not anything like my own personality. And I, I, I loved it at first. But then over time, you know, after we had been married for a while and had some kids, it kind of got on my nerves, mm. to be honest. And I remember being frustrated, trying to get to church on time and having these little babies. And, and my husband would, would be doing the diaper change before church and he would put the, the diaper on the baby's head like a little bonnet. And then he'd grab their legs and kind of you know make them run in a circle and say, ride your bike, ride your bike. And, and I was so frustrated and upset and just, can't we just get the diaper on mm. and get to church on time? <laughs> and so my frustration would mount 
And it really wasn't until the birth of our fourth child, Miles, um, when I saw this as a gift. Mm -hmm. And so I said in the intro that we have four children now, and that's true. We have four, but we have had five. So Miles was our fourth child, and he um, has passed away. But his birth was very traumatic, and my placenta abrupted, and so he was... um, born with some severe brain damage due Mm -hmm. to lack of oxygen at the time of birth. And so he spent the first two months of his life in the children's hospital. And Adam and I spent a lot of our time arguing with the doctors about his life and was it worth living or not, because he would never do the things that normal children would do. He Mm -hmm. would never live a normal life. He would never ride his bike. Mm -hmm. And so after some of those really hard conversations with doctors and surgeons Adam was changing Miles diaper and he did the same thing he put the diaper on his head as a little bonnet and he grabbed his legs and you know made him go in a circle and said ride your bike Mm -hmm. ride your bike and it was that moment that I saw he loves our children Mm -hmm. this is just his way of fathering them Mm -hmm. and and enjoying them and interacting with them and my hurry up and get out the door and get to church and sit in the front row with your press shirts on Mm -hmm. you know that's not what they need they need a dad who loves them and cares for them and this was his way of showing it and so it was at that moment that I saw this is a gift and this is something to be embraced like Mm -hmm. I said embrace the quirk Mm -hmm and loosen up on my um, my tight edges a little mm. bit. And so that's kind of maybe a heavier example. But just, you know, smaller ways. My husband is quirky in that he loves the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He <laughs> always has. And so that has come to be something that's a big part of our family culture. He subscribes to the comic book. And so once a month we go to the comic shop and he gets his little subscription. And, you know, it's something that he can share with our kids. They wake up in the middle of the night and have Ninja Turtle parties and watch a few episodes together. And, you know, it's even gone so far as a family trip to New York City so mm-hmm. that we could follow the subway tour of like where the turtles lair was and, <laughs> that and, is quirky <laughs> <laughs> and get to go to their favorite pizza shop you know mm-hmm. and so embrace the quirk is important because you're going to enjoy your life more mm-hmm. but your spouse is going to feel loved and celebrated And it's going to give your family just kind of a unique culture Mm -hmm. that no other family has. And it's going to hopefully also lead to some adventures, but um, stronger family relationships. And who knows, maybe a trip to New York City. (laughs) For a Ninja Turtle subway tour. (laughs) I wonder if that even, like, you know... With specific people, it might look like quirk or with, or just different interests, you know? Like, being able to care about what other people care about goes a long way. Um, I don't know. Have you seen that? Like, you and Jake are very similar but very different, Sarah. Oh, yeah. Are there things that you'd say, okay, I have to embrace this, don't always love it, yeah. but it's something about Jake that I love? Yeah, I think it's the beauty of marriage in you marry someone that's different than you, mm-hmm. and so you can either be annoyed by it or find adventure in it and just take it as it goes and as it comes and 
enjoy it and enjoy learning that part of your spouse. But it, I'm sure there, there have been times where I'm like annoyed by it, but you just learn as you go to enjoy it. And it'd be way more boring to marry oh, the yeah. same person as yourself, yes. right? Yes, <laughs> way, way more boring. Even and you get to learn so much because mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted to learn everything about every type of guitar there is on my own, but now it's like, oh, I know way too much about <laughs> guitars. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's what he enjoys. So... Moving on to the second topic. All right. So number two is do the man a favor and stop expecting him to read your mind. (laughs) This took me way too long to realize in my marriage. Mm. I don't know what was wrong with me, Um, but the expectations that I had for my husband and just my thought that he could read my mind and and do everything that I had ever dreamed and hoped for, it just wasn't realistic mm. and it's not possible for anyone, you know, my husband included. And so a situation, you know, for, for example, would be, you know, what would you like to do for Valentine's Day? Or, you know, what would you like for Mother's Day or your birthday or whatever it is? And I would say something like, oh, you know, nothing or whatever you mm-hmm. want to do. Isn't that the response we all say? Right. Exactly. Oh, nothing. <laughs> Even though we probably have something very specific in mind, mm-hmm. like, and we've been maybe subtly dropping hints like, haven't you seen me pointing out that handbag for the past six months or whatever it is and expecting him <laughs> to pick up on that? And 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 he just hasn't for whatever reason. Or maybe we haven't even been dropping hints. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that it's more beneficial if I just come right out and if I have an expectation, just speak it because he's told me he wants to make me happy. So when he's asking, you know, what would you like for your birthday? It's because he actually wants to get me something for my birthday Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I really want. And so when I say, oh, whatever, he's not any better off at understanding. But if I have something very specific in mind, it would be good to say, I want this. Here's the Amazon link. And all the information for the credit card is already on the Amazon. (laughs) And so you can just check that out. Um, And it just puts him in a position to win. And it puts me in a position where, you know, I'm, I'm more honest about what I want Mm. uh, and, and my expectations, but then he can meet those for me. And I'll say that sometimes maybe I don't have good expectations or my expectations are, are beyond what they should be be. And I'm thinking specifically of in conflict. So typically when Adam and I get in conflict, my response is to shut down or kind of give him the silent treatment, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good response. I, I know that I need to work on that and I am working on it. But as we live together and learn to bear with one another, it has been helpful for me to have an honest conversation with him at a time when we're not in conflict. Mm -hmm. So on a nice sunny day when we're out for a walk to have this conversation 
and and we all know, you know, how our spouse tends to respond when we're in conflict. So mm-hmm. if I can have this conversation and say, when we fight about something, I know that I typically respond in this way. And even though I'm saying um, get away or maybe I'm walking away, what I actually want from you is if you could just chase me down and just give me a massive hug Mm -hmm. and say that you love me and that you're on my team. That's really what I want. And so that's just going to set us up next time we are in conflict that he knows that that's my deepest longing in our marriage Mm -hmm. when we are in conflict now I know that that doesn't that doesn't release me from the the sin that I'm in in that conflict of just needing to to resolve it with him in a in a fast and 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 respectable and honorable manner but it is helpful to um, have that set up beforehand yeah that's so loving as a wife to set your husband up well and clearly communicate this is what I need from you and here's how you can help in that and here's what I need to take responsibility of also Mm -hmm. Um, but that's just so helpful and clearly communicating to them even in conflict uh, your needs and maybe how you can better work it out as a couple Um, do you think for your husband um, clearly communicating you know what you want or need in conflict or even you know before before a holiday or something, um, do you think sometimes we also need to have realistic expectations of really what we should expect out of our husbands in the manner of what are we what are we ingesting or what are we looking at or what are we comparing ourselves to to even create those expectations? Yeah, I think that we need to do a better job of guarding ourselves as women. We are such emotional creatures, and sometimes these chick flicks or novels or just comparison that we have with other women or couples um, can put us in this place of very unrealistic and unhealthy expectations Mm -hmm. that maybe aren't even humanly possible to meet and certainly aren't good or God-honoring. But I think we need to do a good job of guarding our hearts and guarding our minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what I'm hearing from that, I guess, um, would be just being careful to not um, maybe send mixed messages in conflict, or, or you expect that I can, since I've communicated what I really, really want, if I do this, but this is what I really want, that that excuses me to then be, um, emotional or not say exactly what I mean and expect that he would be the one to run after me mm-hmm. versus me making sure I need to, yeah, check how I'm responding mm-hmm. or check if I'm expecting him to come in as the knight in shining ar- armor and make things better. He's bringing his own sin and reactions into the situation as well. And so um, in the same way that I would want um, him to know what I really want in that moment, maybe he has specific things like, and what I need is yeah. a couple minutes to think. I don't know. I mean, I guess that could be totally different mm-hmm. for different people, but understanding what, when you say this, what do you mean and what do you need? And when I say this, this is what I mean and what I need and learning how to um, meet in the middle with those. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also just a, 
um, realization that you're both sinners. Mm -hmm. And like you said, Mm -hmm. Laura, you're, you're, you're both bringing something to that conflict or the conversation or just marriage in general and um, to give one another grace. But also, um, if you are both believers, you are the number one sanctifying person in your spouse's life. And so it is your job to help sanctify your spouse. And so to point those things out, like you're saying, Christina, at it is not a great time to talk about conflict when you're in conflict. <laughs> Learn that the hard way. <laughs> uh, but when you are having that conversation to say, hey, when you talk to me in this tone, that's really unloving or I feel really disrespected by that or whatever. Um, and here's how maybe you can practice self-control and how I can speak truth or whatever the case is. Um, that's really beneficial for your marriage and really helpful. And I've seen fruit and we're still working on it. (laughs) All right. So we are going to move on to number three. What is your third piece of advice, Christina? So number three is to steep your identity in Christ. Mm. Now, what my husband thinks of me is very, very important to me. I mean, like everybody else could say that I'm beautiful or I'm a great mom or I'm a great wife even, but what does my husband think? Like that is really going to be kind of the thing that makes the the most difference to me. Um, And it's going to be most telling. What does he think? Does he think I'm a great wife? Um, Does he think I'm beautiful? Does he think I'm a good mom to our children? Um, It reminds me of Tim Keller, the book that we've been reading, The Meaning of Marriage. He has this quote, you know, the world, the world sees you as Clark Kent, but, um, but I see you as as Superman, you know, that I know you're wearing your, your underwear. What are they? The blue underwear? The blue underwear or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. I know you're wearing your underwear. (laughs) Sound bites from running deep. (laughs) But essentially, you know, if, if my spouse thinks I'm able to do something well, Mm -hmm. or my spouse thinks that I'm a good wife, well then I feel that I am. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, the problem with this is that I'm very insecure. And so I wish that I could just shake that and that I could not be vulnerable or have this um, need to be reassured. And so every morning when I wake up, if I can just get in God's word and just remind myself of, of who God is, and just how amazing he is and who God says that I am. Um, I'm his child. I've, you know, been adopted. I'm in his, his kingdom. I've been given a purpose. I've been given good works that I should walk in them. You know, I've been equipped for everything Mm -hmm. that I need for life and godliness. And so anything that he calls me to, I can do not, you know, by my own power, but by any power that he gives me, because he's not going to call me to something that he's not going to empower me to do. And so those are the things that I need to set my mind on. So then if I've started my day with those thoughts, then I can go about my day 
kind of more properly in that I'm not just like constantly seeking out this reassurance mm. from my spouse, just being this energy black hole of just like reassure me, tell me mm. I'm beautiful, tell me I'm a good wife, tell me I'm a good mom, you know, just placing my identity in Christ and what he has done and who he has said that I am. I think of this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. She said, the way you keep your house, the way you organize your time, the care you take in your personal appearance, the things you spend your money on, all speak loudly about what you believe. The beauty of thy peace shines forth in an ordered life. A disordered life speaks loudly of disorder in the soul. So if I can order my soul correctly, then all the things in my life are going to start to flow out of that. Mm. What are some passages that you tend to go to or some truths about God that you lean to when you start questioning who you are or feeling um, anxious about um, just your identity in Christ? I think... The biggest thing is I'll go back to the Believing God study that I did Mm -hmm. through Beth Moore. So if you, you know, just listen to that and you're like, oh, those are the five truths from the Believing God study. It's true. Mm -hmm. Um, God is who he says he is. He can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ and I'm believing God. And just the the truths and the, the scripture that I learned through that study was really what I need to remind myself of every day. Oh man, I love this third one, steeping your identity in Christ, because this is huge, um, not just for married people, but single people, whatever, you know, your marital status looks like right now. I hope all the single ladies have not checked out by this point, knowing it was a marriage um, podcast. I hope you're still listening because this is, I think, one of the things I see most in um, women who are longing for a husband is this um, desire, potentially, to have somebody that will always make me feel good about myself mm-hmm. or always affirm me, um, be the things that I can't be for myself or whatever, um, that they're actually seeking to find identity in a future spouse. And if that's what you're looking forward to in marriage, you will be severely disappointed. Mm -hmm. Um, It needs to be centered on Christ first. Whether or not you have a husband telling you you're beautiful today, if you don't trust those things about who you are in Christ first, those words from your husband will be hollow and empty and not meet the need that needs to be met and can only be met in Christ. And so, um, yeah, this is something that is... Um, critical for any woman, um, whatever her life looks like, is finding her identity first in Christ and in nothing else outside of that primarily. Yeah, Laura, you're so right. Identity um, plays into every area of life, and no matter what season of life you're in, our identity has to be firmly rooted in who we are in Christ. Um, how has your identity in Christ and being single in this stage of life just impacted your view of marriage? Mm. Yeah, I think it it has both given me a very high view of marriage and also not an inflated view of marriage. Um, because, yeah, marriage is a beautiful gift from God. The Bible talks about that. It is 
um, yeah, one of God's greatest blessings to people in life. Um, and I want to, I want to uphold marriage. Um, I want to uphold God's design for marriage, both in my um, commitment to not live outside of the bounds of what God has designed for my marriage mm-hmm. while I'm in singleness, but then also to care for and want to cultivate the marriages of my friends, um, to ask them about that, to, um, yeah, help them have healthy marriages and whatever that might look like as a friend, as a supporter. But then on the flip side, I think, um, it will only dig you into a deep trench if you have a super inflated view of marriage as being like, we've talked about something that will meet my every need and desire. Mm -hmm. Um, because, that um, that holds up a very low view of God, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it puts marriage above God, which again, as we've said, is a good thing, but it's not a God thing, as Tim Keller will talk about often. Um, an idol in our life mm-hmm. is something we take as a good thing and make it a God thing. Um, and so if people are looking to marriage as their ultimate goal and desire and end in life, man, that's a that's a like small greatest desire Mm. versus desiring first that my needs be met in Jesus. And so, yeah, I think it's, um, as I, as I continue to strive to root my identity in Christ, it makes me sometimes long for aspects of marriage, but not long for marriage as the ultimate, um, yeah, desire of my heart above Mm -hmm. all other things, because, you will still, Christina, you know, long for things that can only be met in Christ, that mm-hmm. your husband cannot be for you. And if you were to seek those things in your husband, you'd be constantly disappointed at him and probably frustrated at him every day if you tried to put him in the place of Jesus. Yeah. Next month, we actually get to talk on the topic of singleness with Laura. And I'm excited to hear more from you, Laura, and uh, just hear how God has used that in your life. So that's next month. Mm -hmm. But um, just wrapping up, Christina, what is a passage um, of scripture that you have clung to in marriage that has just been um, an anchor maybe to your your soul as you um, walk through marriage? Yeah. Psalm 121 has been something that we have always clung to through these 16 years, you know, at first it was when we were facing, you know, financial trials, you know, we were so poor in our our first few years of marriage, but then even walking through medical trials with our son, Psalm 121 just became just life to us. It was everything that we were hoping in. And this Psalm just says, I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And so, you know, Psalm 121, it's, it's part of this group of psalms called the songs, the Psalms of Ascent. And the Israelites would sing these songs as they were making their journey into the city of Jerusalem um, to celebrate the feast. 
so as they were coming through, they would, you know, pass by all these hills. So when it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills, these hills would oftentimes be full of robbers or wild animals, just things that would be harmful to mm-hmm. them. And so as, as Adam and I have gone through trials and we look up to these hills, these, you know, financial problems, like where are we going to get this next meal from? Or how are we going to pay our house payment this month? Or how are we going to have the strength to, you know, walk through this medical trial? You know, how do we, you know, wake up the next morning after we've lost our son? Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we put away an empty crib into the garage, you know, to store it? It's it's just all those hard, hard things have been those hills for us. And we know that we can look up at them and we can we can ask, where does my help come from? And and we know that it is from the Lord who makes heaven and earth and that he's not going to sleep. He's not going to slumber, um, but he's going to be our shade, um, that the sun's not going to strike us nor the moon by night. And um and that he's going to keep our going out and our coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Well, Christina, it's been great to have you with us this month. Uh, really enjoyed uh, listening to your wisdom and advice on marriage. Is there any uh, last things that you'd like to share regarding marriage? Yeah, I think that there are a few books that I would recommend. You know, I've already mentioned Tim Keller's book, The Meaning of Marriage. Um, Elizabeth Elliot has a great book that I love. It's called Let Me Be a Woman. And that's the quote that I read earlier. Mm -hmm. But that's a book that she wrote to her daughter, Val, right before she got married. Mm -hmm. So it's like her whole book of like, here's all my wisdom and my tips Mm -hmm. for marriage in a book. Um, She's just a woman that I just hold in high regard. So that's been a great one. But also John Piper has some beautiful poetry that he has written for his wife. And it's Mm -hmm. um, compiled in this book called Velvet Steel. And so that just speaks to marriage in a different way. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about guarding our hearts and our minds with what we're ingesting, this is some beautiful poetry that still carries emotional language, but it's good and it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. And um, what does it mean to be a godly woman and, and in a godly marriage? Um, thank you so much again for joining us. If you have more questions regarding marriage or you want to learn more, we did just finish up the Gospel-Centered Marriage class, and that is available um on the Candeo Equipping Podcast. You can just uh, search for that and it'll come up. There's four sessions for the Gospel-Centered Marriage and you can listen to those um, and learn more. Uh, Thanks again for joining us and we will look forward to hearing from Laura next month.